Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Books Are Chic. I am so excited to have this author with me today. We are here to celebrate her latest thriller mystery suspense. I have a lot of feelings on this book. I can't just pin it into one genre, but um, the pages were flying. I love it when you lie. Um, so good. And I'm so happy to chat with her and welcome Kristen Bird. Welcome, Kristen. Thanks so much for having me. I am so happy to have you. And I can't place it into a genre. I feel like it encompassed a lot of different elements. Are you, Do you feel like that's Yes, actually, when my agent started pitching my work, she pitched it as dark women's fiction. Mm -hmm. And then as it's, and that was with my first book, The Night She Went Missing. And then as I wrote this one, and we talked a lot about the pacing with my editor and how it was really character driven. And when I got the copy of it on the back, it said it was suspense. So <laughs> I yeah. think that it just has kind of morphed into its own little world. I love that. Yeah. I feel like you have your own little thing going on. Yeah. I can't, it's definitely dark, but then there were like some funny parts. Oh, good. Like, like good. the sisters. So. Um, mm -hmm. so I could, so then I was like, okay, but there's mystery. There's mm -hmm. a dead body. There's so many things yep. to this. So <laughs> I was sucked in. And, um, but before we jump into the book itself and and like your inspiration, everything, tell us, and we were chatting a little bit before of, of what your um, other job is, but tell us how you got into writing. Clearly from what you'll mention, you must've been a book lover from the start. Yes, I've always loved books. I wrote my first book when I was in third grade with some of my classmates we were given a project to do and we had to write a kid's book and we wrote something about a little mouse that like one went on adventures and it actually won first place out of our school <gasps> and so it got published as a little hardback book by a local printing company I don't have it anymore I wish I did oh. but that was like my first foray into being a writer and then I made my little sister who's uh, six years younger than me I made her every summer write books with me and we would have our own little publishing house. So I ended up becoming a uh, English teacher and I teach ninth and 12th grade in Houston, Texas. And I love my students and I love reading and talking literature with them. Do you um, like maybe 12th grade, are they, can they, do you have your books in your classroom? I do. And actually some of my ninth graders have read them okay. as well. I think most of them think it's cool that I write, but yes. they like want to take a picture with it and then put it down, which is fine. Well, well, I tell I, them, you know, it's for your mom. Read, give it to your mom. Wait, I would think that was so cool if my teacher was like a published author, yeah. but I get that. I mean, we live in a world of social media, so they're like, you know, we know her. So let me, you know, they're influencing for you. Your students are. That's right. They're little publicists. Um. And I just love that, that you're a teacher and that you also like, how do you find time to write? Because this is your second book, second book. Yes. It's my second novel. It's my probably but fifth like, or sixth I've actually I was going to say, you've had <laughs> second since third, third grade, you've been <laughs> writing books. So this is like your 95th yeah. novel. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yeah. So this year, actually, for the first time, I'm part-time, which helps a lot. So I okay. teach three classes in the morning. And then after lunch, I write for a couple of hours before I pick up my kids from school. So that's how I do it this year. Before that, it was really just finding 
nights and weekends and, you know, giving the kids to my husband and going away and writing for a while. Okay. So now you're adding mom teach. Like, so now you're just upping the whole thing. Cause I didn't know that. So now I feel like I'm like, well, what can we all be extra doing that? You're just making it all the things, but I love that too. Um, did you like, obviously you went to school to, you know, you for teaching and, and English was your choice. And we talked about how this book and, um, you know, sort of falls into your own Kristen genre but were you when you decided <laughs> to really Kristen, genre. Kristen it's a Kristen we're gonna just say it's that um Perfect. did you find that growing up you read a lot of mysteries and thirds and I always ask this because I always find it interesting like if you're like no and then you just got the idea um how did you kind of fall I grew into up- that Yeah, I grew up in a really conservative Christian household in the 80s and 90s. Um, There's a comedian, Nate Bergatze, who just did a special and he talked about that. So that was basically my childhood. So we didn't have a lot of reading material that was, you know, approved. (laughs) So uh, we had this little series, I think they were called like Mandy books or something like that. And they all had like some kind of biblical connection in them. Um, And then... I grew up reading, you know, the standard school fair, like um, a, the little princess, little women, lots of littles. Uh, <laughs> so I actually didn't grow up reading really widely. And then probably around college, I was like, "Ooh, there's so many books to devour. <gasps> and now I would say I have a really wide reading interest, anything from sci-fi, Blake Crouch, I love him um to I'm reading a book right now called The Change by Kirsten Miller uh that's kind of like sci-fi magical reality so yeah I just have a lot of varied interest in literature of course I love thrillers and I love sitting in that genre space but I could read a Jane Eyre any day too you know classic (laughs) I'm so glad I asked this because I can't but like you did you growing up see other kids reading like the goose I mean obviously like goosebumps and everything wouldn't have been (laughs) oh that was not allowed no oh no No. I was gonna say um (laughs) which is so funny because I I saw Nate Bergatze live in the fall and he was so funny he was great. great he was so funny um but I yeah like I'm thinking like you didn't get the, you know, the run of the mill goosebumps, babysitters club, sweet valley probably was like Oh, I did oh. get babysitters club. You did. And I got the Sweet Valley twins. The Sweet okay. Valley High, my mom <laughs> had to read them to check them out before. And my mom is not like this at all anymore. <laughs> so she would be like Kristen. But yeah, well, Sweet Valley High, I feel like even and I didn't grow up, you know, I could read whatever. But even I remember, I still have some of my old copies of Sweet Valley High. And I'm like, what was like, I mean, that was just what we were reading. But now I look at the covers or like what it is. And I'm like, wow, like, some of this stuff was, you know, fifth grade and like a stalker or like, (laughs) right. But a little you know, spicy, yeah, a little spicy. I'm just like, okay. But so that is yeah. so interesting that you sort of like had this whole world awaiting you. But you know, <laughs> I mean, you must have been like, oh, like, 
Yes, there was so much to read. I had pretty much to that point stuck with Babysitter's Club. Like you said, there was also a series called, I think the Christy Miller series that was really popular among the conservative Christians. And then there was also Jeanette Oakey historical fiction. Yes, you know, I do And all remember. of them had some kind of religious element. Yeah. Interesting. That's so fascinating <laughs> to me. And now we're yeah. having like, you know, murderous sisters. I love it's like exactly. that's why you fell into your own genre. You're like, screw this. I'm doing my own thing. <laughs> um I okay, so so that's a good foundation. I love that that I feel like that's a fun fact about you. Nobody would have known that. And I've never had that response because <laughs> I feel like a lot of people who write, you know, thriller, mystery, suspense, it's like, you know, the typical I grew up reading Agatha Christie, Nancy Drew, um, oh. all those things. And you just didn't know. And then you really just hit the ground running when you hit college. You had so much to catch up on. That's right. I just kind of fell into it at that point and dove all the way in. Yes, I love that. Okay, so how are you, what type of writer are you? Because you've added other elements. You are a mom, you are a teacher. So where do you find the time to write? What is sort of your process like? I do a lot of my writing still on weekends and during summers. And then during the school year, I prefer to be revising so if I come up with original material, it takes a different kind of energy mm -hmm. than if I'm revising. So that's why I think I prefer to write when I have long extended breaks to write new material. I, I like I said, try to write an hour or two a day, but there are some days I just can't get it in. I have a sick kid or I'm exhausted and I need a nap before they get home. <laughs> So I, I'm not one of those people who's like, you have to write every day and you have to write this many words. I will go through times like last May, June-ish, I gave myself a goal to write, gosh, I think it was like 50,000 words over a few weeks. And so I will have times like that where I do long sprints just to get something done because I'm yeah. very deadline driven. But I try to be kind to myself. <laughs> if if I just can't get, um, you know, something done on a specific day, I try to give myself a little grace. Excuse me. You okay? So I often will write uh, on the weekends, like I said, and on Saturday mornings, I seem to get my best work done. Mm -hmm. And so while the kids sleep and while my husband's working on school stuff, because he's back getting his master's right now, we're kind of doing that. We did that at different times in our marriage. It was like my turn and his turn. Yep. <laughs> so now it's his turn. Uh, so I'll go write during those like three hours. And that seems to be like the golden time for me of the week. When I don't have any interruptions, I'm at a coffee shop and I'm just in the zone. Just writing. I mean, mm -hmm. I can't even imagine like doing all of that. Like having, I mean, it's one thing when you're writing and have kids, but you also have this other job that clearly from, you know, just doing the three classes a week has helped you. But are you on a one book a year timeline right now or no? You yes. I have another one coming out next March called Watch It Burn. So that'll be my third novel. And um, my agent is also going to be pitching another novel that I wrote. I did a two book a year this time. That was a bad idea. Whoa. I was very stressed. <laughs> 
you know, I went part-time and I thought, oh, well, that means I can write even more. Yeah. My husband's like, can we not do that again next year? <laughs> so... You well, you did it. You did it. And but also I, I love that it. you were like, I'm totally going like full throttle. I have all the spare time. Well, yeah. why not? Sure. Yes. And now I'm going to step back and say, let's go a little slower. Yeah. <laughs> so. Right. Right. Okay. So tell us how well first give your elevator pitch of I love it when you lie. Tell us about this book. Sure. I Love It When You Lie is set in the Appalachian foothills of North Alabama, and it's about three sisters who return home for their grandmother's funeral, and each of them bring with them a problematic man, and by the end of the weekend, they decide that perhaps one of those men should be in the grave with their grandmother. Yes, I love that, With because we're not going to give spoilers. Okay. First question about this book, and I, I have thoughts. I have a little piece of paper. Where did you get the idea for this book? I think it mostly came from just growing up in the South. And I grew up in North Alabama in a small town called Albertville. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the conservative Christian environment yep. as well in the deep South. Yep. And I have two sisters and a brother. So I know that sibling bond really well. And I wanted to put that on the page. And the first thing that came to me, even before I really knew what the story would be, was the image of three sisters standing out around a grave with their arms entwined around each other as the sun rose. So that was the image I started with. And that's the image I talked to my agent about. And she was like, sure, go from there. <laughs> and then I just started writing. So I started with one sister's perspective. I actually started with June, even though she's the third chapter basically in the novel but I started with her then I added the older sister the younger sister and then the last person I added was the sister-in-law the one who's married to the brother right which do you have a do you have a sister-in-law I don't oh I was like <laughs> I like I wouldn't... <laughs> yeah my brother's much younger than me he's only okay. 28 now, oh yeah so he has yeah time. <laughs> Don't That's rush, right. brother. Don't rush. <laughs> I'm right. like, maybe she, because the sister-in-law in this book plays a pretty big part. Mm -hmm. um, one of the questions I had for you was, it takes place in the Appalachian foothills. And mm -hmm. did you grow up there? Is that part of what, where you grew? Is that what they call that area? Or, and what was that like? Because I feel like that has, must have been, you know, something to grow up there. Yes. I grew up from the time I was, four until I was nine we lived in North Alabama but even when we moved away because my dad he was in the navy and then he got into uh, manufacturing jobs and so we moved a lot from coast to coast but we would always return there for summers and for holidays so it was very much like coming home for me mm -hmm, to go there mm -hmm. my grandmother spoke in a way that was a really distinct vernacular. And I didn't really know what it was until I read this Catherine Marshall book called Christie. And it actually became a series like 20 years ago or something about a young woman who goes to the Appalachian mountains Is that and with, teaches. Yes. Oh my God. With um Kelly Martin from. Yes, um, I believe so. Yes. I remember the yeah. show. Okay. Sorry right. to cut you off. That's okay. But the way that those people spoke, the people that she goes to, 
I, I thought, oh my goodness, that is how my grandmother speaks. So all of a sudden it kind of clicked into place. Like I bet that even though we have no real ancestry, I mean, my family was probably rural and pretty poor is my guess. Yeah. But, um, I think that they probably came from the mountains and then settled into the foothills just because of the way that she spoke. It was so distinct and so pronounced. Interesting. Yeah. I mean that when you think of Appalachia, you think it's just so rural and, but this seems down in the foothills, it must be more. Right. And she also was part of the tradition that happens in the book. It's called Decoration Sunday. Mm-hmm. And that was a tradition that is distinct to Kentucky, Tennessee, and Alabama. Wow. And it's not everywhere in the Deep South. And even my mom, who grew up in the same town as my dad, she came from probably like the richer side of town. Mm-hmm. And she didn't know about this until she started dating my dad. So it's more of like a rural tradition. But basically, every Sunday in May is dedicated to a different graveyard. Mm-hmm. And you go to that graveyard on that Sunday and you decorate the graves of your kinfolk. That is so so my grandmother did that until the year that she died, which was a couple of years ago. So in her 80s, she was still every Sunday going out there, cleaning off the graves, giving them new gravel, decorating with flowers. And that's just what they did. That's so nice. I mean, I feel like we all should be doing that. I don't, you know, like you go sometimes go, I went to my grandparents' graves last summer um, and we hadn't been there since the fall when they were buried. And I I felt like I had to clean it up and weed and we brought flesh jars. And you see so many people doing that. There was a man visiting his wife and he was doing it. And I'm just like, it's so nice. But then, you know, you do see these graves that are like so old, nothing, you know, and that's just the way it is. But that is, that's such a nice tradition. I love that your grandmother did that for so long. I know. Yeah. So cute. And it used to be attached to churches. So they would have hymn singings, potlucks, and it they would like make a day of it. at the church cemetery that's incredible (laughs) it was like a celebration yeah Yeah, it was a physical way to remember yeah people they had lost that's Mm -hmm. nice um who out of all so what I said before to you and I'll say this now for everyone listening who's watched I was also watching bad sisters as I read this book um and I should say the book will be out March 14th but um I was lucky enough to read it early and that's all I could think about I was like this is if people have watched bad sisters on apple tv this is like bad sisters little sister because there was the same sort of theme of just the sisterhood and family and what do we have to we will do anything and everything to protect our family protect secrets and lies and all of those things. Um, and so that's all I was like thinking about. Right. I started watching that show and a couple of episodes in, I emailed my agent and I said, does Sharon Horgan need new material for season two? <laughs> because she could use my book. I know it's in the South, but we can move it to Ireland or wherever she is. <laughs> yes. I mean, so I, felt I definitely like, felt that. Yeah. I yeah. was like, I felt like it was like, So you, so I truly think that this book is the little sister of bad sisters. And you were saying if they needed extra material that you could provide that, which I 100% think you could and should. So we should start that. Thank campaign. you. Sharon Horgan. Did you hear? 
<laughs> she was so good in that. And she also was so good in, um, oh my gosh, what's the other show that she was in that was so funny? I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. Where she has, gets pregnant accidentally. Yes. Um, catastrophe. After a one night stand. Catastrophe. That show cracked me up. Me too. Me too. It was so good. She's just great. She's great. But I, yeah. So I felt like it just had so many of the same, um, sort of themes, but I just love like books that of sisters. I have an older sister, but when they're put into like a predicament or problem and how they'll react because all of your sisters in this book are so different and they have their own problems. Um, But they're all coming together, you know, for this one event, but also this other thing that happens. And so my question to you is, did you have a favorite sister? Mm. Probably June because you know from her very first chapter that she's going to steal a baby that night yes. <laughs> from yes. the hospital where she works. She's a postpartum nurse and it starts basically by saying she didn't come to work planning to steal a baby, but before the night was out, she would. And my husband and I went through infertility. We did IUI and IVF and Cloma and all of that. And thinking about getting to the end of a pregnancy and then having a stillbirth Mm-hmm. was really a heavy idea for me because I had a close friend that happened to, and I wanted to really treat that narrative with care mm-hmm. and show like what hormones can do to a woman's body and her mind and how this loss can feel so devastating and all encompassing. So I think that just because I felt a lot of empathy for June, she probably was my favorite sister And also the fact that she's a postpartum nurse and she's always taking care of other people. I think that also resonated with me. My mom actually is a postpartum nurse. So I was calling her and saying, how would someone steal a baby from a small town hospital? (laughs) You know, like how would this practically work? (laughs) And um, I remember when I was going through the infertility treatments, you know, my mom and I have kind of a, my whole family has kind of a dark sense of humor and, and we would joke about, I was like, just pick one up for me, mom. Just one of the moms who like, doesn't seem like she'll be a good one. Just take her baby and bring it home. It's terrible. I know. And I would, we would never do if her hospital is listening, but you know, you have to laugh during those dark times. And I yeah. like that the sisters can do that with her and that they take care of her. Yeah, I loved reading her story too. And also was just like, wow, like she just took this baby. Um, because I work I work in healthcare. And oh. I was like, how? Yeah, I thought of I want I should ask your mom, like, what would what would you know you think of? But then you really hear about people really taking babies and now they have like tags mm-hmm. and stuff on them, which is so fright like right. so frightening, but also like that it has to happen. Um, but it helped I that her. my setting was small town and yeah. you didn't have all the bells and whistles because yes, right. she, she tells me about the training she has at her Houston hospital yeah, for, you know, a baby disappearing and how everybody goes into action and how they have tags that will set off alarms all over the hospital. And yeah. So I don't think it's very realistic and I don't encourage anyone to do that, but 
it works for my story. Yeah, no, and it, and I know there is there's like a code you have to call like I think it's a code pink or something, uh-huh. um, and like uh-huh. the whole hospital gets locked, which is like the most fr- like scariest uh-huh. thing. Um, but I I loved reading about June, and then I also I mean I loved all of them, but I also loved reading Clementine's storyline. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. because I, that was just, I don't know. That felt very like timely for like what sort mm-hmm. of we hear about these days or what we are so heightened to be aware of, I guess you should mm-hmm. say these days after like the me too and all that stuff. Um, and just yes. her thought and- process through that. Yeah. And just to say, Clem is uh, the youngest sister. She's 29 years old. She's working on her PhD in English and she's dating her professor who has a bit of a reputation. I work at a private school in Houston and Mm -hmm. three of my closest friends at school all have PhDs and have that academic background, you know, like the collegiate university background. Yeah. And so I really picked their brain for her story and what would be realistic and how this would work and tenure and, you know, just any little question I had, they said academic conferences actually can be places where unfortunately, you know, me too movement stuff is Uh, needs to still happen so yeah yeah I know I was surprised by that as well I I have a master's degree but not a PhD and apparently once you get to that level it's kind of becomes a different world so like conferences like like at a hotel for a weekend you're going to a conference right okay right and they're discussing like the minutiae of some ancient text or (laughs) whatever their scholarly interests are yeah it even happens there which surprised me yeah Mm -hmm. Mm, I yeah I I enjoyed um reading about her and then I also just loved the insight of like you know them talking about Pearl Gran um Mm. and that whole thing and sort of it made me just think about not obviously like revenge or anything but how and I've talked about this before with a few other authors just about how you know grandparents play such a huge role in your life and it's always, you know, I found for me, um, cause my, you know, my last two grandparents, um, passed away a couple of years ago, but the like reflection and how it's, you just don't realize as you're growing up the importance and what you wish you could go back and ask and, t- and, you know, yeah. and what have you pulled from them and, you know, what you want to like, let your kids know about them if they didn't get to meet them and stuff like that. So I always love mm-hmm. a, a grandparent character especially. Yes. And when the novel opens, she's dead, Mm -hmm. but her voice is very much on and off the page in their memories, Yeah, which was really meaningful to me because yes, my grandmother died just a couple of years ago too. And I I was very close to her Mm -hmm. and I still, you know, can hear the kinds of things that she would say to me, you know, if I'm out late and it's dark, she would be like, you better get home. Yeah, <laughs> you better be careful. You're my baby. You know, she would Aww. talk like that. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I feel like too when you have your own kids, I think that also like enhances your relationship with your grandparents because you know your kids, you know, will love mm-hmm. your parents, and it's a whole thing that you can look back on. Um, but right. yes, I love that you wove Pearl's essence and wisdom throughout the whole book. Do you think you would ever revisit any of these ladies? 
my mom wants me to oh, visit. Perfect. We should. What's your mom's name? Her name's Kathy Brock. Kathy, we should revisit. She yes. gave you insight. You should give her this um, gift of a sequel. She's, she wants a sequel. And I said, Mom, who else are they going to kill? <laughs> what else can these sisters do realistically? I feel like a lot. Oh, okay. I feel like they were just getting started. I don't know. Oh, maybe, maybe that's, that's what you... the title can be. Oh, They're just getting started. Maybe. Well, that's why you have to call Sharon and you can source your ideas and then have some, uh -huh. you can say, you know, we're going to do something else. But I just, right. it, it, I just loved it. Like I said, it was just so, there's so many elements to it. And I just, I think that that's what made it so fun. Um, but you definitely could, I think you could revisit, or maybe like one of them pops into one of your other books for like a cameo or something. Oh, I like that idea when worlds kind of collide <laughs> yeah. in books. And then, I love and then that. people have to pick like, you know, in, in like your, you know, 10th book, you could put an Easter egg in and then your true ride <laughs> or die fans will be like, oh my gosh, June was in this June was so-and-so's best friend and whatever that book will be. <laughs> I love it. I, I think it's a great idea. <laughs> um, so you said that though you did two books last year, so you have one coming out that's already like been announced yet or still early mm -hmm. stages? It has been announced just last week, actually, on Publishers Marketplace. It's called Watch It Burn, and it's set in the Texas Hill Country, and it's another Kristen genre. Love it. Whatever that is. <laughs> it's Merging of genres. Yes, it's like a perfect smoothie of genres. Yes. Yes. And then I'm, so I'll be revising that with my editor, but I'm revising another manuscript with my agent right mm -hmm. now. That's a little cozier. It's, mm. um, it's a little funnier, a little lighter. I think just coming out of the pandemic, I wanted to write something that was just kind of for me. That yeah. was fun. Yeah. And so, um, my agent's taken a couple of looks at it and given me a lot of feedback. And we're, we're working on that now. Yeah. That's awesome. Ooh, a little, another element to the Kristen genre. I love this. <laughs> okay. Now it is time for your chic list. And I have to get my questions, which I have right here. Okay. Here we go. Kristen's chic list. Number one, the author that inspired or inspires you the most and why? Lisa Jewell. Oh. I actually got to interview her last August at Murder by the Book in Houston. Oh. And she was just so lovely to talk to. She was inspiring. She was very down to earth, practical. I believe she's just published her 12th book last August. And she has two coming out sometime, or at least she was working on two when I saw her. Um, she usually does a book a year, but she has a special project that still hasn't been announced yet. I really appreciated how she pivoted early in her career because she was writing kind of romancy books for her mm -hmm. first couple. And I believe that in the U S they didn't pick up one of her books. And so she decided to pivot and she was just really smart from like yeah. a business standpoint, as well as, you know, just wanting to write creatively. And, and then she sent me a little turtle that's a in my window that has a plant in it for Aww. interviewing her and like that meant so much to me to know that this author who sold millions of copies you know took the time to just be thoughtful and write a little personal note and 
So anyway, she's my inspiration. I love she's who I want to be when I grow up. I love this. The turtle. You have to keep yeah, it. Her even name's when- Jewel. Oh, even better. Oh, I love that. I love her books. She's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, let's see. Current TV binge series. We're watching Shrinking with Jason Segel and Harrison Ford. It's on Apple TV. Have you seen this? I have not. Oh, it's so good. It feels a little Ted Lasso-esque. Okay. Not because the storyline is the same, but it has that same sense of like, community and we're behind each other even when we're mad at each other you know we're still gonna stick it out through thick and thin and it's about a father who was lost his wife a year earlier and he basically like went into a spiral I mean when it opens he's got like prostitutes hanging out in his pool and he's doing cocaine but (laughs) then he goes into work and he's a therapist you find out oh wow (laughs) not doing great and it's basically about him like coming back into himself learning to deal with his own grief becoming a good father again it's just it's really moving and like but also funny oh this sounds good I'm gonna add it highly recommend that okay Mm -hmm. sounds good um last favorite book and current read counterfeit by Kirsten Chen Yes. It was, I believe, a Jenna book club pick. I think it was a Reese book club pick. Oh, a Reese book club pick. Yes. It was a book club pick. It was someone's book club pick. (laughs) Some celebrity picked it as their book club pick. It was great. I read it too. I loved it. Yes. Uh, So that was the last one that I just really loved. I read it a couple months ago. And then my current read that I mentioned earlier is called The Change by another Kirsten. Uh, Kirsten Miller. And this one is about three women, each of them going through the change of life, approaching 50 and finding out that, or rediscovering that they have kind of these superpowers and they're going to enact vengeance on whoever is uh, killing young women in their island town. So good. (laughs) Okay. I have that in my pile. That was a book club pick of somebody's too, I think. I think so. I think yeah. so. <laughs> okay. I'm going to, that sounds, it does sound really good. Um, Sand or snow? Sand. I don't like to be cold. Live in well, Texas. You so live in that Texas. Makes sense. You're lucky. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> it's cold today yeah. here. I'm yeah. a sand girl too. Um, Coffee or tea order? Coffee. Yeah. And I usually get an almond milk mocha or a soy Ooh. mocha, whatever kind of mocha they have, but without regular milk. <laughs> Mocha sans milk. Love it. Um, Favorite bookstagram account. Okay. I had to go into my Instagram and look at this, but immediately I was like, oh, of course it's at Olivia Day writes. And she is, so a year and some change ago, I saw, it just came up on my feed. It was someone, Olivia Day saying, I want to write a book and get published and you can follow my journey here. Mm -hmm. And so I reached out to her and I was like, this is so exciting. You know, my first book was about to come out and I was like, I want to watch your journey and see what happens. And let me know if you have questions. And we have just become really good friends. (laughs) So not only does she have just great book material, she also now hosts a podcast on thrillers. Um, And she also uh, has 
written her first book and she's looking for an agent and we're now in the writer's group together. We met at Thriller Fest last year. So yeah, she's my favorite. I love <laughs> this. We're going to tag her. I'm going to follow Good. her. But Good. that I love. Oh, that's a nice little journey. I know. And who knew that you could find friends on Instagram? I mean, that like are also real life friends, but right. you can. I, I know. I love community. when that happens. Yeah, it is a good community. Yeah. Um, okay. Name an author you'd love to have a coffee or cocktail with. This one was pretty easy too, but I have had a cocktail with her. It's Ashley Winstead. Oh, I love uh, her. She wrote The Last Housewife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's very down to earth and will like tell you like it is. And I love it. I <laughs> I need those people in my life. Yes. Those are good ones to hold on to. She, I, we, um, I read the last housewife. It was like one of my top picks of last year. I loved it. And then we were scheduled to interview, to do the podcast. We had to move it. And I was so excited to interview her and she was like incredible. I just love her. Oh, yes. She's yes. so fun. I love her too. I'd She's actually to- hosting my um, Q&A at Murder by the Book oh, in a couple weeks. So that's so fun. Yeah. She's very kind and generous oh. with her time. Yes. I love that. Okay. Who is your style icon? Okay. I'm not stylish at all. So <laughs> it's my little sisters. I mean, they're not little now, right? Like we're all grownups, but yeah. uh, Lindsay and Katie When I had to go and do an appearance on a local network here, Mm -hmm. I was like, I need you to teach me how to do makeup and I need you to tell me what to wear. So they both went shopping with me and they sent me TikTok videos and they walked me through things. And so I don't have any other like huge celebrity people I aspire to. It's just my sisters. I love that. (laughs) And how fitting a book about sisters. It's all coming together. Mm -hmm. Love it. (laughs) Um, book you wish they made a movie out of the Rosie project by Graham mm-hmm. Simpson Simpson I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly and this one actually has been slotted to be a movie and has had several actors attached to it and then it keeps falling through so I really hope they make that because it would just be such a funny heartwarming movie yeah, yeah the Rosie yeah. project I think I read that a long time ago I can't remember it's been out for a while um, yeah, and it's also a series now. There's three books in the series. So yes, they could do a yes. lot with it. They could do a lot. Okay, last mm-hmm. question. Best advice for an aspiring writer or reader? I would say to listen to writer craft podcast as well as publishing podcast because it's basically like you can get a free education. I got a master's in literature, but not an MFA. And of mm-hmm. course, there aren't a ton of publishing programs out there anyway. Um, there are some certifications and one or two programs that I know of, but it's basically a free way to hear from a lot of great writers and industry experts and to get, get the tools that you need without mm-hmm. having to go and spend money on it. So that would be my number one piece of advice is just start there. Writer, Writer's craft and publishing house. Is that what you said for podcast? Uh, uh, and publishing podcast. Publishing yeah. podcast. Okay. Yeah, you can also go to the library and pick up books for free too that cover writing, craft, and publishing. Yeah. But I wish that I had known a little bit more about the publishing industry when I had started because I feel like I was pretty well-versed on the craft because of my education background, but the publishing world is kind of elusive and scary. (laughs) 
I think, yeah. you know, and a very like closed door and there's just not a ton out there. But now with the advent of podcasting, I feel like we're hearing a lot more from editors and agents and writers about those. Yeah. Things. I feel like too, a lot of authors will do little, like either they'll go live or save something to their stories about like writers who have a book. And then it's like, well, now what do I do? And you know, the querying mm-hmm. and stuff like that, which I'm sure is so mm-hmm. helpful to people and, and up and coming future writers, right. but I love mm-hmm. that. Okay. And where can we follow you on Instagram? At Kristen Bird writes and bird is spelled like the birds outside the tweet. (laughs) The birds that fly. Well, I am so excited for this book. I love it when you lie comes out March 14th. um, And I can't wait to just see all the things that are going to come out in the Kristen genre. This is exciting. (laughs) Thank you. You have trademarked coin that. I know people, if that starts coming out, Kristen, I will send them this episode and say, listen, perfect. I said it first, (laughs) but thank you so much for joining me. This was so much fun. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me. And thank you to everyone for tuning in.